So can you just start by introducing yourself? Oh, my name is Abdullah. Uh, last name is Kaya. Um, I have been here for uh, very much 18 years. Not really, like 15, 16. That's Abdullah. He's a vendor outside the Met, where he's been selling jewelry for 15 years. However, even on a sunny September afternoon, foot traffic around the Met is half of what it was pre-pandemic, according to data from Placer.ai. Now, Abdullah is one of New York City's 3,000 legal street vendors that have had their businesses impacted by the pandemic and is now easing back into the city with less tourism and fewer workers in the office. Welcome to Deconstruct, a podcast by The Real Deal, your source for all things real estate. I'm your host, Isabella Farr, and on this week's episode, our reporter Sasha Jones ventures out into the streets of New York City to take a look at how street vendors are recovering during the pandemic, and how the city's real estate industry has grappled with vendors for years. For a long time, street vendors in New York City have had to fight for their right to sell. There has been a cap on licenses since 1983, creating a massive hurdle for newcomers who want to sell their goods. Instead of being able to apply for a license, an underground market has emerged where vendors sublease their licenses from other vendors. And a sublease isn't as easy or cheap as it seems. The city charges $200 for a two-year permit, but by 2020, the going rate for a permit on the underground market was between $20,000 and $25,000 every two years. According to a report by WeGo, a nonprofit research organization that advocates for workers in the informal economy. And of course, this leads us back to real estate. Vendors' inability to get more licenses is thanks to business improvement districts who lobby to protect the retailers in brick and mortar stores over their vendor counterparts. That brings us to Dan Biederman. I'm the president of 34th Street Partnership and Bryant Park Management Corporation. Uh, we have a lot of interaction with vendors, but our basic role is to run Bryant Park, Herald, and Greeley Squares, and then assist the city in upgrading the entire 34th Street area. Whitney of things we find wrong, we meeting most BIDs in Midtown with the vending program. It's a lousy program. It always has been. Um, it's not well supervised. The carts are mainly visually unattractive. They're in the wrong locations. They're not following any of the rules that the owners of brick and mortar retail are, are following. Traditionally, street vending in advanced economies, anyway, had been marginalized. John Renee Short is a professor of public policy at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, and an urban geographer who studies the informal economy and street vendors. In New York City, 1900, there were thousands of people street vending by, by handcarts. It was a way for uh, especially recently arrived immigrants to make their way in the economy. It had a low cost, you didn't need a major investment, you didn't need huge English language skills. So street vending was often an a entry job for many people arriving in America, as it is in many places around the world. But what if the real estate industry has it all wrong? What if street vendors and brick and mortar stores have a sort of synergy which is beneficial to both parties? That's what John thinks. It's the old economic argument about agglomeration. You know, the best thing about having a restaurant is sort of like 
there's lots of restaurants around because other people are coming to a restaurant district, so to speak, right? So it's not like people say, well, you can't open another restaurant, it would be unfair. No, there's a sense of agglomeration economies. And the same thing could happen with street vendors and fixed stores. Dan disagrees. The two different types of retailers, uh, the dry goods retailers, let me pick somebody. We have uh, a couple of shoe stores on 34th Street between 6th and 7th, big ones. It's not so much they're threatened by direct competition because there are not too many people vending shoes on the sidewalk, but it, it's hard to um, uh, see their spaces. Uh, um, and, and when vending is out of control, which it has been at times over the last five years on 34th Street, People who sell dry goods are not thrilled. And then you've got the uh, food retailers like coffee shops and, and delicatessens who, are, who do feel that they compete with the large number of food carts that are out there and food trucks. 2021 has been a year of redemption for street vendors. In January, the city council passed a measure to issue 400 new food vending permits a year for the next 10 years starting in July 2022. The legislation also created an Office of Street Vendor Enforcement, Mayor Bill de Blasio and police supervision of street vendors just a year before. And now street vendors may have even greater cause for celebration. A state bill has been introduced which would clear the way for an unlimited number of street vendor licenses. Even more so, it would also let vendors operate just about wherever and whenever they want, with limited exceptions. I think New York is, uh, generally most things anyways, always ahead of the curve. But maybe the city's move isn't the right one. Um, increasing the number of licenses isn't going to fix that. The city should be bidding these uh, locations. And I'll give you an example of where the city is being smart. The Parks Department, uh, let's say Central Park. You can't just go up in Central Park and put a cart up illegally. The city there, aided by the Conservancy, controls those licenses and makes and bids them and and people pay what the market rate is and that's why there's no black market and that i know of in central park food licenses they're all paying the market price the advocates just ignore the reason the black market exists the reason the black market exists is the city has foolishly given up all the revenues that they could have earned from the program and is bidding giving away licenses. They're not bidding. They're giving away licenses. And I think it's $200 a year or something like that. And that's how you solve a black market, not greatly increase the numbers. What does the future hold? Well, John thinks the pandemic may even result in the greater success of street vendors. What the pandemic did was to make us aware of, gee, we're already moving towards more bike lanes, more pedestrianized zones, and street vending kind of fits into that more general non-car, uh, walking, bicycling, getting a whole range of shopping opportunities while you're walking around, rather than simply getting into the car and driving to the big mega store somewhere. But to get to a point when vendors can celebrate, they have to survive to when they can see the return of tourists and office workers who, in some areas of the city, make up the majority of vendors' clientele. Hello, my name is Baker, and I operate one of the cars here. I own one of the cars. Baker is in Hudson Yards, where he owns a hot dog stand. He believes his clientele is about 60% of where it would be in a typical year. 
and the vaccine is a must. So hopefully it will arrive back again next spring. I wish because we bleed, we bleed, we wait for the next spring. At the Met, Abdullah also thinks it's too soon to declare that business is back to normal. Not yet, not yet. Um, I think we can say we can say like that. We can say maybe next summer we can really see. Deconstruct airs every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on SoundCloud. Or you can listen at therealdeal.com or check us out on Instagram. For comments on this episode or on the series, or if you have an idea you'd like to share, feel free to reach me or my colleague Sasha Jones at podcasts at therealdeal.com. Next week, we're talking to some of the country's top architects about design trends and how architecture firms have fared over the last couple of years. Tune in then.